almost fell out of my chair a few months ago when I found out that MasterCard was investing into Web3. The NFT and Web3 community generally fight against the establishment, so this was a bit shocking to me. Today, I'm going to explain why would MasterCard encourage people to enter this space. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. First of all, one of the premises that I came into the space looking at this, knowing that this was the future of not just business, but everything that we do. So many big companies have come into the space and they have ran away as quickly as they entered. And with budgets being cut, marketing budgets and research and everything, everyone's downsizing, laying off staff. And guess what gets cut first? R&D and these moonshot projects within Web3. Even Meta with Facebook and Instagram and whatever they're doing with tokens has really scaled back. What they're doing in the metaverse, even though their company is Meta, they're cutting their budget there. They're laying off tens of thousands of people. But MasterCard, the legacy financial company, is doubling down. They're investing deeper into Web3 and they're not pulling away. When we're looking at this whole crypto versus Web3 versus the banks versus the legacy and all that stuff, there is this different ways of looking at it. And now one view is, let's say, the Bitcoin maxis who take the stance of down with fiat, anything to do with dollars, euros, pounds, they want nothing to do with it. The whole system is rigged. It's coming down and is falling apart. And that is why Bitcoin was invented. It was because of the financial recklessness, if you will, and freedom of the top cats and what happened in the financial crisis. That is why Bitcoin is important. And all other forms of legacy payments, stores of value, currency are just worthless. That is like their premise. That is what they argue on and stand on for the most part. I'm simplifying things, but yeah. Then there are the quote unquote central powers, right? The legacy players, if you will, that are trying to just tear down cryptocurrencies and all these decentralized renegades that are running around doing all sorts of crazy stuff and will spare no expense to spread FUD. They want crypto, they want NFTs, blockchain technology, all this stuff to just look absolutely ridiculous. And that is their stance on that because of their years and years of investment into that legacy system. And of course, they don't want anything to replace that. And I'm not even going to really go into all of the conspiracies and what have you. But there's certain things that are just public that are just well known, spoken about on stages, acknowledged by even government officials. That Operation Choke Point is a real thing. They're trying to stamp out crypto and everything related to it. That is not even conspiracy at this point. They're on to choke point two right now. The first one didn't work. They're trying to do it better this time. So that is where they stand. Another view is that it's not them versus us or one versus the other, that crypto is simply a complement to everything else that is there. And that view sort of looks more like, okay, you can save in Bitcoin, but you're going to spend in dollars, right? You're going to buy things in dollars. So, of course, you don't be that guy who bought a pizza with a bunch of Bitcoins. And I understand that helped to propel the value of Bitcoin, legitimizing in the space and so forth. But so many people often talk about, imagine how expensive a pizza that was if you had converted that out at the peak of $69,000 before everything came crashing down. That was an expensive pizza. But in the sense that, okay, convert out to dollars as needed and then continue to save and hold value in whatever cryptocurrency you believe in, that is a perfectly legitimate stance in my belief, but whatever, to each their own. Let's say for the decentralized person that is all about down with central powers. Well, everyone doesn't need to build their own blockchain. Everyone doesn't need to build their own internet, just like the 90s. A lot of companies tried to build their own internet, and then they just realized, you know what? This doesn't make sense. It just makes more sense for us to all build on the same internet 
and then, of course, gate off what we need to gate off and do what we have to do. And that's like right now, there's, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of different blockchain projects being built. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a handful of them that survive and everyone's going to build on them. And it seems like Bitcoin's going to be around. It seems like Ethereum's going to be around. And people are going to build things, whether it's a Lightning Network or a Polygon or Arbitrum and all these different solutions that help to scale one of the other ones, it seems like a handful of them will still be around. But the hundreds or possibly thousands that are under development, most likely they're not all going to be around. And truthfully, every corporation doesn't need to have their own blockchain. There is nothing wrong with having some servers and some things saved. And even if I want to set up a private in-house network where I'm storing things and let's say someone in the bedroom, someone outside can access some files from one central location. Okay, cool. It's not connected to the internet or anything. There's nothing stopping people from doing that. But having a full blockchain, like there's no reason for anyone to have a family blockchain. Like that's just pretty ridiculous to me. It's inefficient. It is slow. It is expensive. There is some benefit as using a quote unquote central blockchain. And I know that might be an oxymoron, but you know what I'm trying to say. And as far as the centralizers trying to do Operation Chokepoint and everything, stamp it out, smother it out, here's the thing. History has taught that you can't smother a flame with piles of laws. And history books, like the laws, can be burned and it's only going to spark the flame. So it's absolutely just ridiculous. But going back to this whole topic that is at hand, MasterCard coming into the space, investing very heavily, it just proves that not all legacy companies are at war with Web3. MasterCard is pretty much as big and as legacy as it gets. As far as financial systems and financial institutions, pretty much every debit card, it's either MasterCard or it's Visa, right? That is as big as it gets. Hundreds of thousands of transactions every second. It's just absolutely ridiculous how much capacity that these companies are doing. And worldwide, the dollars that are transacted, it's just mind-blowing. I can't even put a figure to it. I've seen it one time. That's what Solano and all these ones are trying to scale up to to even rival something like that. But it's just night and day, like nothing like what we're seeing within the crypto space. So as far as saying that they are at war with crypto. Some people might say that, but at many of these conferences, they are sponsors. They have a Web3 artist incubator program and like all sorts of different things that they're doing. They're really investing into this space. They're sending their employees to these different conferences all over the place. They're investing heavily, not just with dollars, but also with manpower because they realize that you can't stop progress. You cannot stop technology. You cannot stop advancement and people are going to go to what they see benefit with. So trying to stamp it out, trying to choke it out is just not going to work in the long run. Therefore, thinking and seeing that this is the direction that we're going into. This is like when people are speaking against the internet and the World Wide Web being able to access everything. Now it's AI. There's always something to try to stamp out. And whether it is like some sort of religious movement like Christianity, the Roman emperor trying to stamp that out or whatever it might be, you can look through the history books again. There's banned books, there's banned movies. And usually when these things get banned, what happens? They're Googled more than ever. People start to download them. The price soars on Amazon and eBay and it's just crazy. So when these things happen, it just gets more attention. So this whole choke point thing, it's going to put attention on it. And as more people speak about this thing and they realize that there is value there, people are going to end up there. MasterCard realizes this and they're just going to embrace the future. So this Web3 Artist Accelerator program and what they're trying to do here, 
I actually checked it out today. I minted my NFT and everything and I go through. So I do have my opinions on that. And I think it's actually pretty cool what they are doing. First and foremost, the pitch that is out there, they're helping musicians come into the space. They have some examples up there of a bunch of artists that are working in the space. Of course, they explain the benefits of the music industry. And in case you're not familiar with that, it is just a nightmare. A lot of artists, they do a lot of work. They create this music. They have to pay out all of these different people. At the end of the day, even if they sold millions of records or millions of CDs or albums or whatever they're selling these days, streams, (laughs) they are still broke. Like at the end of the day, they're negative. And that is a huge problem. And unfortunately, things are so slow that an artist might come out with music today and not even see a check or a dollar or anything for another year and a half because the process is so slow. There's so many layers, so many people to, to get paid, and there's really no way for an artist to verify everything. So of course, that is a huge selling point for this whole thing. It is low hanging fruit to onboard artists into this space. And that is where MasterCard is going. Again, showing that they actually have an eye on this. They could have went a million directions. Why would MasterCard, a financial company, even think of artists and everything? It's because, again, they know Web3, wallets, crypto, everything. This is the direction that we're going into. Not necessarily even just crypto, but the blockchain, I should say, is the direction that we're going into and getting their foot into the door, being in that position to welcome people, onboard people, sets themselves up for the future and whatever revenue streams come in the future. And they're onboarding people as MasterCard. So people aren't going to say, hey, what's MasterCard over here doing in the space? What they're going to say is MasterCard introduced me to this space. They legitimized it to me. So going forward, their mind is forever going to associate crypto, blockchain, NFTs, artists getting paid, all those things, and incubator, Web3 with MasterCard. So that is great for their brand going forward, the perception of the new people. Why went over the Bitcoin maxis? Why went over the ETH maxis when you can onboard people that don't even think this is a legitimate space, but they trust MasterCard? So they do that. They bring in the artists. They bring in people. They train them. And they give them a free NFT on Polygon. But here's the thing. They don't ask them to set up a wallet. They have an onboarding process that is plain, very easy a custodial wallet, meaning that they are basically on that website that they're directed towards, and that's where the NFT is stored. And then they are given the option to offload it onto a MetaMask. So they explain the difference between a custodial wallet and a non-custodial wallet. So they do a great job of explaining all of this stuff. It is all laid out there. They're educating people. They're bringing people in. There is a music NFT, a little clip with that. And of course, they're setting up for artist drops and so forth, giving all the benefits as to why NFT music is important, Web3 music, this whole space, wallets and so forth. But guess what? Regardless, if they stay with that custodial wallet, which has their name and email, or they export it to MetaMask, it is going to be connected, right? So that transaction, sending it from one wallet to the other is going to be logged, right? So it doesn't matter 10, 15 years from now, if that person is still in Web3 using that wallet to log into whatever future social media or whatever artist that they're collecting music from, it's going to really help MasterCard to understand who their customers are, what they're interested in, where they're going to put their investment into. Because let's just say all of those people that have those MasterCard NFTs that were onboarded through their process, whether still using that wallet or upgraded to MetaMask, They'll be able to understand, okay, these people that I'm catering to might have a whole bunch of things that they are collecting and are interested in that are related to, I don't know, outdoor activities. 
So MasterCard can then pivot their marketing, their investment into supporting them. And this is not ramming something that they're not interested in down their throat and just hoping for the best. No, what they're doing is they're supporting those people that they onboarded, that are interested, that have a loyalty and affinity, a positive view of that brand with whatever that they're going to associate with in the future. People are still going to have to pay for something one way or the other, whether that means MasterCard is going to still have their debit cards or they're going to pivot into tokens or whatever it might be. They're in the business of transacting. They're in the business of moving funds from point A to point B, and they'll figure that stuff out. So knowing that we are going towards Web3 and just being positioned to do so and go along with the ride with those people that are coming in, I think is a genius, a brilliant move. Now, as far as with this whole platform, everything that it is, honestly, even though I do have some critiques, which I will mention, I will give them an A+. I won't lie. I think it is just a mind-blowing smart move. Like I I don't even know the words for it. It is just a great idea because first of all, everything is in plain English. There's no technical jargon and so forth yet. There is custodial and non-custodial wallet, but they break that down. Very simple. They lay it out. Why do people care about this? Why is this important for artists and people that love music? Why is Web3 a big deal? All that stuff in plain English. And I think they do a great job of doing that. A lot of information that is token gated, by the way. So like they have the introduction, then it's not until you have the NFT in the wallet that you can see the rest of it. Another smart move. Showing them the power of an NFT right then and there. It was easy. They had that NFT in a wallet that is hosted right there. It is custodial. However, they've already seen the power of token-gated content. But as far as the complaints go, there's only really two complaints that I do have about it. Number one, when I minted the NFT, a little red check mark came up saying that I minted the NFT, a red check mark. When I first saw that, I thought it was an error. I'm like, red checks? I saw an X, but whatever. So I thought something went wrong. But then when I read it, I said, congratulations, you have the NFT, whatever it is. I tweeted that to them. I don't know if they're going to listen to me, whatever. But hey, that's just my two cents. I think that should be changed. Red does match their brand colors, but red means stop. Red means danger. Red means error. I think they should make it green. And if they don't like green, maybe blue or something bright, but just not red. And then the second complaint that I would say is it is just very text heavy content. I think they should go with some more video, more visuals, some more images. But the text that was there, it is plain, easy to understand. But we live in the day of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts and all that stuff. And it's a heavy ask for some people that might not at all know what's going on here. Give them a little video, a little 30 second videos, put them in some shorts, some reels. (laughs) or reach out to, I don't know, a podcaster that is connected with business and NFTs to (laughs) create some audio content for you or a video explainer, a very short, condensed fashion might not be a bad idea. But generally speaking, I think this is a plus move by MasterCard. I think this shows that they're going to be around for the next generation. And wherever this goes, it is what it is. And I'm not against it. Some people will say this is absolutely what we're fighting against, but I don't see it that way. I'm not of that view. I don't see why these two worlds cannot coexist. And I applaud them for not warring against Web3. And those people that are being onboarded onto it will eventually end up seeing the value of everything instantly right there and then expand from there. And great. The more the merrier. I'm happy to have them on board. So love to hear your thoughts on that. Of course, there will be mixed opinions as with anything. That's what makes the space so interesting. Please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. Let me know what your thoughts are. But either way, Whether you agree or disagree with my thoughts, I want to thank you for listening to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.